Hey everybody, it's Bevan. This is a prequel to the show. I'm excited for you to meet Deidre, so stay tuned. But first, some news. I'm loving this dropping a podcast episode every Thursday lifestyle because it is like a little time capsule in a rapidly changing life. My life has changed so much since I just started this uh, podcast and it's about to change really drastically. I am moving away from LA. I am presently living in Los Angeles in Eagle Rock. And by this time next month, I will be living in Northwest Washington in a tiny house um, in the middle of a forest down the street from my mom. And I am excited to pay down some debt and really get my life together. And I am simplifying my life. I'm getting rid of about 85% of my stuff uh, right now. In fact, I mean, not right now, right now I'm talking to you, but you know, like in this time period. So I wanted to announce that here. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about the move and, uh, some logistics, uh, about that and things I'm learning, um, over on my Patreon page. And if you want to support this podcast, it's a great way to do it. Patreon is uh, a website that is a combination of crowdfunding and a membership support site. The thing that I'm most excited to share on the Patreon is just my incubator for leaders in self-care. And I just upload uh, two to three episodes a week of this Bevan's Bites podcast, where it's like little mini episodes, four minutes or less, of a tool or some sort of self-love uh, guidance I'm getting or something that has helped me on my journey. Um, and I really love to use that to help other folks who are on their journey to self-love. Cause I think everybody who's a leader knows they need to love themselves enough to believe in their vision and move forward. Cause if you don't believe in you, who else is going to believe in you? Right. And if you want to up-level that and add some movement to your self-care for 25 bucks a month, you can join my weekly online aerobics class where I just, from the heart, teach in a really fun movement class. I do every month. There's a 10-minute class, a 20-minute class, a 45-minute class that's a canna-sized class, and that's specific for like using plant medicine for an embodied movement, but you can do it sober too or take a CBD thingy-dingy, whatever. Um, and then... I do a full 60 minute or 50 to 60 minute faculty dance party aerobics class. So come and join me if that feels exciting for you. And that seems like something that can help your self care path and get you moving a little minimum participation, by the way, is, uh, watching it and cheering along because we don't do enough cheering. Do you ever notice that it's like totally normal to cheer at like a ballpark, but if you like cheer at a bus stop, people look at you anyway. So Without further ado, here is my episode with Deidre. Hey, everybody, it's Bevan. Welcome to my podcast, Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends. And I'm here with my friend, Deidre. Hi. So Deidre is the co-founder of the Glowing Goddess Getaway, which is probably how a lot of you might have heard of her if you've heard of her. Um, But she's also my friend and also super awesome, a (laughs) full-time homeschooling mom Mm -hmm. of two. Yes. And uh, an award-winning cannabis edibles creator. Yes. And uh, kind of a savant in many, many areas. (laughs) So many competencies. (laughs) And a former Mormon. 
Yeah, <laughs> to boot. <laughs> to boot. I, I, many, queer? <laughs> a queer. Queer former Mormon. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. As many of my friends are actually queer former Mormons. <laughs> that is a weird niche you found, Bevan. I don't know. Every time I turn around and someone's like, yeah, I used to be a Mormon. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> well, the ones of us, of us who made it out, like, maybe we're just, I don't know, diamonds in the rough somehow. I mean, special, magical, <laughs> see a world with so much possibility where once there was none. Where once there was none. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They really teach you. Like, I mean, it's all power and control, right? Like, yeah, they totally. really want you to be away. It is essentially a cult, a modern-day cult, mm-hmm. you know, and, and lots of people don't shy away from that, you know, but... um Look it up. Google the definition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do, the, you do the math. Uh-huh. You know. <laughs> I mean, cults generally have a charismatic leader um, <laughs> who is bent on isolating you from your family and friends, and they really love that shunning thing. Yeah, they do. Uh-huh. And they don't let people come to their weddings. Unless, no, 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 no. Unless you're in the temple. Absolutely. Right. Like Absolutely. it's a, it's an exclusive it's situation. It's legit. It's legit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, they don't like to be aware of that perception of themselves. I think it makes them uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, to realize how far from normal, you know, or, um, I don't know, able to thrive. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think it's normal. I think it's like, so I don't love the word normal. I, I don't normal either, but like I a, didn't have a, another one. It's a conformist word. Normal, like, makes us think that we have to be away in order to be accepted. For sure, right? for sure. So, like, maybe, like, um, I, I don't know. I but don't... Mormons love normal. Like, they, that's their whole thing. They're yeah. like, here's normal for us. Yep. And then you're going to do this thing, and you're yep. going to scrapbook, and you're going to use every little bit of your time. <laughs> Listen, I love Mormons. I've studied them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they are a wild culture. Yeah, uh-huh. for sure. And the f- special underwear? Yeah, oh, of course. You can't really be a cult if there isn't some sort of wardrobe. Yes. Just because they wear their wardrobe underneath doesn't <laughs> mean there's not a wardrobe involved. I mean, come on, there is a wardrobe. I can always spot a missionary walking down the street. Absolutely, absolutely. Short sleeve button up with yeah, a tie. For sure. uh-huh. White, white, yes, every white. time yeah. white. white. Uh huh. I mean the button up, but the people as well, generally. Oh, yeah. Also yeah, the people. for sure. For Not sure. always, but mostly. No, but that is because they have a very... Um, uh, recent history of racism that not all of Christianity shares. Like, they brought theirs very far into the past. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, Look at them. 79. It took until <laughs> 79 before they got, like, down with equal rights. Wow. Yeah. But just uh, as so far as race, definitely not gay stuff. Well, they're still not down with gay stuff, yeah, no, for sure. It. No, they still hate that because they love the concept. They really preach the concept that gender is eternal. Oh, my God. And that marriage is only between a man and a woman. They're so, so invested like, in that. They're so invested. Uh-huh. They're more invested than any other branch of Christianity that I can find. Um, yeah, so that's that's contrary to what i've experienced as a being on this planet yeah. so that was a little hard for me to you know get down with i think that's a really common experience too like finding your moment where you realize the difference between what is actually happening in life versus what's happening in the society as you understand it 
and it's like a shift. It's like a mindset shift where you're like, oh, life and society don't line up. Yep. Am I going to follow what other people are telling me about the world, or am I going to follow my actual true observations? Absolutely. You know, I've looked back into my past, and what I've told myself as a story of it has been oftentimes, like, in certain periods of my life, I'm like, wow, Deidre, you were intensely selfish. That was my story about myself. You know, like, these are these periods of intense selfishness. But when I look back now, um, game, you know, it, from a more mature perspective these days, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I see that those were the times where I refused to care what anyone thought but myself, mm. which is not selfishness, but actual mm. authenticity. Yeah. And so those times where I would look back and be like, wow, you're so, <laughs> you're so selfish. <laughs> We're recording this live, and now there's this dog, Bella, who has got to go potty and is definitely not doing what she's being told. <laughs> she, yeah, it's uh-huh. funny. That's okay. You just leave her alone. Uh-huh. Don't worry about it. Right. Um, so, um, so, yeah, so it was a real... It was a real awakening for me to realize that these moments that I had looked back and been like, why couldn't I be what they wanted? Why couldn't I fit in in this moment? Why couldn't I? And I'm like, I was so selfish to just make it about me. But like, no, it was. It was it was those were the moments where I was choosing myself over the script, Mm -hmm. choosing myself over someone I loved even, Mm -hmm. you know, because Mm -hmm. sometimes being yourself hurts people that you love. And that's hard and heavy, but also more liberating than any other choice you can make. And is it hurting them or is it hurting their expectations? It's hurting their expectations. It's hurting their false ego. Mm -hmm. It's hurting all kinds of broken um, paradigms that you've set up between each other. Dysfunction allows for expectations and performance in relationship. But when you're being authentic, it breaks down dysfunction. Mm. You know? So, like, authenticity, anytime you're really choosing you for you, mm-hmm. you know, for the sake of you, um, it breaks down without you meaning to the, the, the structures, the pain that it causes is breaking down the structures that have led to your dysfunctional totally relating. And I find that that's kind of universal. Like if you're choosing authenticity for you, mm-hmm. you know, and the damage quote unquote damage that it causes, is the breakdown of the dysfunctional. And I don't think it breaks down anything real because the root of authenticity is love. And if you're choosing yourself in love, then you can't do damage. Yeah. You know? And anything that's breaking is just something that's like being set free. Yeah, for sure. Because the the root of love is freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Totally true. The root of love is freedom. So, Deidre, how did you uh, extract yourself from Mormonism? So, I fell in love with a girl. That happened. Right? Yeah. So, my college roommate, I'm such a cliche. <laughs> I know. I know. At BYU. At BYU. My BYU college roommate. Yeah, we fell in love. Um, so, she... She was also Mormon, of course, right? Yeah, at BYU. Yeah, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried really hard not to love her because, you know, uh, well, first of all, I didn't even know I loved her. 
So I can't believe this is such a queer interview, but this is hilarious. So like, all right. So I went to see a therapist at BYU for my own issues that have nothing to do with my sexuality. <laughs> right? Like, like that's a thing. Yeah. Like, that's a thing. Uh-huh. Don't worry. Your issues can be separate from each other, uh-huh. right? Yeah, no, totally. that's yeah. not a thing. Uh-huh. Okay. So I went to a therapist and I told her about my relationship with Sherston, who was my partner. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. I just thought she was my dearest best friend in the whole wide world. And were you cuddling yet, or were you just oh, within a month, Uh we were fully having sex. Oh wow! But we didn't know, and we were sleeping in the same bed, like starting our freshman year, like for real. And we didn't know we were having sex for real. We didn't know we were having sex. I know because we have these heteronormative ideas of what sex is. Of what sex is, and also because. I had always heard the lesbian jokes of like, like how does a, how do lesbians even have sex? Like you know, like uh-huh. how, lesbians can't have sex. Oh and my that, god! So like I was like, and and I didn't think lesbians were a thing. Okay, wait. Let's just quickly pause for people who don't know how lesbians have sex. <laughs> Everything can be sex if you're just like mutually experiencing pleasure, right? And like we have so many organs that can create pleasure for us. Your skin is your biggest organ, so stuff like touching skin and whatever you want to think it's foreplay, it can be sex. It's it's sex if you want it. So like, but you know, buttholes and pussies can do a lot of things. They absolutely what can. I'll say about lesbian sex. Yeah, and mouths and hands. Yeah, it's all sex. And then implements. Uh, I mean, absolutely. Of all of all shapes and sizes. So many things. So you can many do. things you can do. <laughs> you yeah, you could leave them free. You can put them on all things. I think lesbians have more interesting sex than straight people, and I'll. Oh, for, for sure, that. of yeah. course. Yeah. Oh, you don't even have to fight for it. Yeah. Like, that's just, it is known. Yeah. I mean, it is known. I'm not going to fight you for it, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, fight, the, I'll fight the internet about yeah. it. Dude, yeah. I'll, I'll be right there backing you up. Because, uh, yeah. Okay, so okay, the so point you're is. you're fully having sex with your college roommate, which, by the way, my college roommate and I never did anything. We didn't even cuddle. I don't know that oh. we hugged. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Okay. We were just roommates. Okay. <laughs> So that's an experience you could have, too, I guess, turns out. So um, that's not what happened for me. So um, <laughs> this is not what happened for me. Um, so I loved it, and I was so happy. Okay, so I went to a therapist. Had you and had she, sex before? Uh, no, not with a boy. Oh, okay. No, uh-uh. But you had, you or had a sex girl. with a girl? No. no, she was my first girl love. First everything. Yeah, wow, for dang. sure. Okay. She was my first girl love. Okay, keep going. So, um... So I went to a therapist, and I talked to her about Sherson, and she's like, oh, do you think you might be a lesbian? And I was like, no. 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 I was like, I was boy crazy all through high school. I am clearly not a lesbian. Uh-huh. She did not offer me the option of bisexuality at that time, uh-huh. you know, yeah. nor did I even know that was an option. I know. You it's know? really weird how it's a red herring if you're attracted to any man, which to me, often in high school, I'm sorry to all the guys I had crushes on in high school, you were all gay. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. You chose men who are emotionally unavailable. No, absolutely. Funny how you would do that to yourself. <laughs> also sexually unavailable. Yeah, exactly. What a coincidence. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so about two years into my therapy with my therapist, I, I, I said to her, you know, I, uh, I think I might be a lesbian. And she's like, you think? <laughs> like, you know. And very like, kind and loving. Very is loving. It's like 1998, 1999. This would be 99, 2000. So like a yeah. post-Ellen world where like where we she, Well, she was being shut down. No, Ellen was shut down, no, was shut down but and she fired. Was out. 
but she was out. But like it was like a really bad thing. She hadn't become Dory I yet. It, I don't think it was it was bad that she was shut down. I think it was a sign of the times. Absolutely, but, but that the was post, the times. The times yeah. was reject. Yes, the but times. Post Ellen means like you knew there was gay consciousness in the mainstream, which yes. like because I grew up and I didn't even know gay was a thing you could be. And my mom had been gay when I was growing up, like when I was a younger child, like under oh, age four. Interesting. And so she just never taught me about gay stuff, and because I didn't learn it at home, I didn't learn it in media until I was like, you know, until a friend taught me what gay was, like when I was 14, and just told me that like, oh, so-and-so's gay, that means she likes women, and I was like, wait, what? That's a thing you can be? Right? I just didn't know, and that's what happens when Same. you grow up before Ellen, is right. what I like to say. It's like yeah, before that's Ellen, real. after Ellen. You're right. You're totally right. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so I took a while to figure out that I was what my sexuality was Mm -hmm. and in fact at that point I didn't have it figured out because I'm way queerer now than I was (laughs) that means you're living right yeah like I just keep getting queerer so that's a thing I like it though I'm embrace I mean this Mm -hmm. is who I am Mm -hmm. um so yeah so that was really interesting to be gay at BYU you know like to be having like you know, church ladies and dildos arriving at my house simultaneously. You know, like that is just a life well lived. Yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> it's, yeah, and so I came out to my family, and that was every bad cliche that it could be. You know, and so which means they were rejecting of you, of course. Mm. And so Did they send you to conversion therapy. Um, I was too old for that, you okay. know, like I was too on my own for them to try to do that okay, to good. me. But while I was at BYU, they were still practicing conversion therapy. I mean, they're still doing it today. No, they stopped. They had to. They oh, almost Mormons? Lost, uh, no, the BYU. BYU. Okay. BYU was going to lose. I mean, people, they are still doing yes, pra- it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, people are. Yeah. But not the Mormons but not at BYU. The Mormons. BYU. Okay, good. Yeah, they're not doing that. But they were while I was there. I mean, that's some fucked up shit. Did your therapist try to get you into conversion therapy? No. No. She was was 100% accepting. Great. She is super. I was lucky at BYU. So lucky. I was so lucky at BYU. I was a liberal arts major. And while just before I got to BYU, a bunch of women in my department had just been fired because they were, were like wanting women to have the priesthood in the church. So, like, my department was wrought with liberal, strong women who were willing to look and think outside the lines. So I had a lot of strong professors that that gave me a liberal arts education. And no, it wouldn't have been as... It's not as liberal as it would have been at another college, but I wasn't ready for that. They deconstructed my reality for where I was at, right? They helped me, like, move past. And then... My therapist, I was very lucky to get her because she was too, like, you don't have to be Mormon. Like, that's not a thing you have to do to be a good person, to be worthy, to be loved, to be whatever. And you don't have to agree with the church for, for it to be... For you know, like she she was saying, I could pick and choose. You know, she was giving me these options that gave me enough flexibility in my own thinking that I could come out of my own box at that time and crawl safely out of that shell and establish a new identity for myself. You know, um, I shattered my identity with my family many times over by many choices that I've made throughout my life. You know, like that is my role in in my family, in my parents' life, you know, my extended family. 
family's life, in my husband's life even. Like I just challenge the perception of what is normal <laughs> while I try to be my most authentic self. And people so far are like, okay, well, you know, like I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a loving, good person and I'm really trying to do my best to serve humanity, you know, with my gifts and, um, and to, and to be the best version of myself and to show up. I tell my kids, we're team try hard. We are team try hard and we put our all into it every time. And so, um, and so my, those who love me have been, um, willing to learn and grow with me and able and, and be able to support me in me living a life way outside the box in order to be authentic to who I am. I love that. Yeah. Um, So you and Shearston, did you finish BYU? Yeah, totally. So um, she, in fact, stayed at BYU to work on her PhD in clinical psychology. So we were in... We were in the closet the whole time we were together. I came out of the closet, but she could not. And I got real involved in the queer scene. In so, Salt like, Lake. everyone knew that she was living with an open lesbian, but she was saying... She, no, she, not everyone knew in her it. life. Okay. No one knew really in her life. Okay. People knew in our life that I was willing to tell, but they were safe for yeah. her. Yeah. Because the problem was, is that at BYU, you can't be gay. Yeah. And when you're working on a PhD, you can't transfer. Mm. So that puts you in this place where you have to finish your PhD because you have money into it and all these things. And you... Um, and you cannot be gay or they will take away your education and your, you know, so it's such um, a weird choice to choose to start a PhD. At a place I couldn't that. agree more, <laughs> but like, um, but she chose it because, um, because of her area research interest mm-hmm. and the cost, frankly, because mm-hmm. if you're a Mormon at BYU, a PhD's like not expensive that's real you know our student debt really ruins the american dream right it really does right (laughs) so i know so we were just like we'll just live in the closet and we spent at least one weekend a month um out of town like away to somewhere that we felt more safe and Uh comfortable we spent every weekend in park city because Mm. park city's in the single democrat liberal county in utah okay and it's like an hour from byu so we went every weekend to park city where we could feel like (sighs) decompressed you know like we did a lot of self-care to try to be cool with our situation while really you know shareston felt only comfortable being in the box but but um as a result she's an amazing therapist and like changing lives her her own first and foremost and Mm -hmm. I still love and respect her tremendously you know like we're still very good friends and she's she's done nothing but like been nothing but good for my life I'm so grateful for her and and I do my best to try to be the same um that's a true lesbian win it is. I mean, it really not, is. You don't have to be friends with your ex. I'm not no. saying that, but like, well, what, like an I- what an ideal. It is. Right? It is. And to I love was, someone and get to keep loving them. Absolutely. Yeah. I do. And, and like, I, I, I'm not close with her wife and I wish that were different. But, um, aside from that, it's like pretty story 
you know, storybook, mm-hmm. like our, our relationship, honestly. <laughs> I want to write a kid's book. <laughs> I know, it really is so cute. <laughs> and they're still friends, and they were friends into the sunset forever. <laughs> like, even though she, she married her, and she married him. <laughs> and her. And, and her. Him. <laughs> Why not? Why not? All of that. Okay, so how did Garen come along? Because you're you're just being a lesbian in the world. So then, um, Garen actually I met because he was my assistant at work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mrs. Robinson, keep going. <laughs> Listen, it wasn't that many years apart. I am a little older. Hilarious. Um, so seven years for those who are curious. Um, Seven years is the difference. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Especially but when you're young, because you guys were in your 20s. We were. Mm-hmm. He was 19. What? <laughs> I was 26. What? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> he turned 20 shortly after. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> we're not, we're Listen, Garen's not from this country. <laughs> He's very mature. Garen's not from this country. You he guys was, are still together. It's he been was, like, I know, 14, 14 years. 14 years, long time. He is 30 in American years at that time. Okay. For real. Totally, totally, yeah. He. Let's be clear. Let's be clear about Garen. Let's paint a little <laughs> picture for the audience. This guy is from Armenia. He's from the former Soviet Union. Like, when he left, it was the Soviet Union. Their family left as refugees, political refugees from the USSR. Lived in Queens. So, like, learned America in Queens. Grew up in Queens. Then moved when he was, uh, like, 12 to Utah. So, like, that's a culture shock. Mm -hmm. Lena, let's be clear that... The USSR to Queens is his first culture shock at, like, 6, 7. Mm-hmm. And then his second's at, like, 12, you know, to Utah. Utah. So, like, he really learned a lot about identity and people. Like, he really had his worldview shattered a few times. He speaks four languages. He had a fake ID and started going to bars when he was 15 and, like, mm. you know, like, having, like, hookups and one-night stands and stuff. Wow. So, like, he really started young. So by the time he was 19, he was burned out of the, like, girl scene. Like, uh-huh. he was burned out of fucking bitches. He, like, over it. Like, too many. He's super over it. Like, he'd done all the things, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> he was, like, ready to try something different. Mm-hmm. And along came me. And I just we, want to be clear, though, that, like, just because you have sex with people at bars doesn't make you a bitch, right? No, 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 yeah. not at all. Yeah. No, 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 That's his, that's, I'm, that's I'm being. his language. That was his language was at the time. Okay, that was great, what great. he was saying okay. at the time. These are quotes. Just want to clear. From, from yeah. people 15 years uh-huh. ago. We're sex you know. positive. If you want to go home with someone <laughs> from a bar, I support I'm you. very sex positive. Uh-huh. I, you are very sex positive. I'm very sex positive. Uh-huh. And yeah. I'm super open to all the ways of experiencing consensual sex. Yes. Every single one of them. Yeah, being very clear. Very clear. Yeah, I super support you. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm clapping you on. If you ever want to imagine me as the angel on your shoulder, uh-huh. like cheering you on to get laid, I'm so there for you. Every time it's consensual, I'm there with you going, yes, you can do this. Yeah, do it. Every time. Okay, so... <laughs> I hope you used to do as a little angel on your shoulder. If you're curious what she looks like, you can look at the show notes. At Miss Bliss 710. Miss Bliss 710 on Instagram. Give plants a chance. All about cannabis and eating plants. Yeah. Oh, and other, you know, medicinal plants, oh, entheogenic plants, sure. mushrooms. Yeah, absolutely. DMT, well, ayahuasca. We can chill with all of it. So, um... 
so, yeah, so he was kind of, like, ready to try something new, and that's where he was in his life, and I was um, a happy lesbian mm-hmm. until, once upon a time, Rosie O'Donnell made a uh, documentary for Sundance about her gay family cruise. Oh. Right? I haven't seen that. Um, and this was in the early 2000s, and I saw it because I was going to Sundance at the time because that was the cool thing to do in Utah. You know, it was the only cool thing to do in yeah, Utah, literally. so you could damn well bet uh-huh. I participated. Uh-huh. And um, it, 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 it heightened my awareness for what my life could be, mm. right? And yeah. it gave me hope. I, like, sobbed with joy through that movie to see those, like, gay kids, gay families, like, so happy, so connected. Like, like I didn't even... And, and then, like, happy to be connected with each other in this gay family cruise setting where it was completely normalized at a time when it wasn't normal, right? Yeah, when you were, like, the only lesbian family at the elementary school. Absolutely. And then to go on a cruise and everybody's got, like, multiple moms or dads or That's whatever. everything. It's everything. <laughs> so, um, so, um, that was in, like, Sundance is in, like, January, February, whatever, and... So then, um, for Mother's Day that year, all I wanted was for Sherston to tell me someday we could have a family. Oh, you know, and she knew that, and I yeah. knew that, and that's why you I guys wanted. have been together like nine long, years, nine years, by nine then. years yeah. by then. And so she knew I always wanted to be a mom, you know, and I wanted to be a mom with her. But she, at that time, didn't want. She did not want kids. She did not want kids to have gay parents. She oh, didn't want that hard. for a kid. Yeah. Um, so on Mother's Day, she said, I can't. Heartbreak day. Yeah. And on Wednesday, I went to dinner with Garen and we fell in love. Wow. So your assistant from work, you went to dinner with him. And it was just like, we'd been to dinner a million times. We were friends. We were hanging out all the time. We worked long hours together. We were hanging out. Like, he knew Sherston. He knew our life, you know. He knew Elias, you know. Uh Like, we were all friends at work. Um, And that night, something just shifted between us. Wow. and An awareness of feelings. And we just really, like, that was the night when it started. And I went home and told her, like, I'm having feelings for Garen. And she was like, well, you should figure out what that's about. We weren't threatened by that. We're lesbians. You want to go experience a man? Go fuck a man. No one's threatened by that. I wish that that was true for more people, but that's how we felt. Oh, okay. Okay. So, well, we weren't. (laughs) For fragile, for fragile lesbians. If your partner comes home and says, I'm having feelings for someone else, like who are fragile monogamous lesbians. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, like there's just, People in their attachment styles. People, for sure. All of okay, that, so right? for us, no. For you, no. What a great moment. Yeah. That okay. your partner is like, okay, yeah, sure. You should and figure also, that out. And also, interesting that your body was just like suddenly more open to procreative sex. I know. When you were like, I want to have a I baby. I thought I was a lesbian. Yeah. You don't understand. I thought like men, oh. ew, gross, ew, eh, yeah. penis, ew, eh. Which is also super, like, that is often people's experience too to like fluctuate because our sexuality is a spectrum, right? For I, sure. We were just talking about this that like I believe everyone um, like you know it's the Kinsey scale everyone's somewhere in the middle the bell curve says so and so it's not everyone I think there are some hard Kinsey ones and Kinsey sixes live your life for sure for sure but it's also the bell which is the majority of the population and it changes it can flux for sure. And, like, I'm definitely a Kinsey five and a half. I stay mm. pretty five and a half. You have to be a pretty exceptional, like, 
cis man for me to be in any way interested in you. Yeah, for sure. Very exceptional, actually. But I couldn't agree more. But there are exceptional men. There are. Yeah, there and are they some. exist. Yeah, so, yeah, so something shifted, you know, with her and I, and then sh- something shifted with me and him, and then by the weekend, I, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> I don't like texting, because you've been with me. I know. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, I'm very clear on what I want. Yeah. I'm very clear know. on what I want. Yeah. yeah. Once I know. Yeah. And I'm very clear that I know for me mm. on how to know for me. Yeah. I work really hard on my relationship with myself mm. so that I can be in a space of true knowing. And if I have any doubt, that's my answer. Yeah. Like any shred of doubt. Unless all of me wants it now completely and is willing to give up everything to do it is willing to put that on the altar, then I'm not going to do anything. But there have been some pivotal moments in my life where I was willing to put it all on the altar. So good. And Garen was one of those. And he did the same for me with his life, Mm. you know, and, and we'll never, ever, ever let each other go. I mean, you guys are a boss couple Thanks. that, like, has created some amazing things together. We have. We're, we work amazing together. We cooperate well. We co-parent very, very well, you know. And our sex life has always been phenomenal. That's fabulous. So, like, honestly, it's just been the work of any relationship, which mm-hmm. is compromise and relating and, and being willing to hear each other out and do all the things that is relating. We've never had exceptional difficulty except for what we've put ourselves through with our life choices. Yeah. You know, we've put ourselves through exceptional difficulty, but we chose that. Mm-hmm. So it's always been um, kind of with our arms wide open that we've been embracing the, the hard stuff. And that's been nice to not have it thrust upon us. Yeah. So, okay, how did Shearston fall out of your grand coupling with Garen? Okay, so I just... That next weekend, because I had feelings for Garen, I had a sexual awakening at that time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know, I didn't think it was just Garen because once again, Garen's 19, right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, thanks for helping Which, me figure out that I'm open to penis. Uh-huh. I had no clue that I could feel this way. I thought I was just boy crazy in high school mm-hmm. because that's what society put on me. Yeah. I fell in love with a woman. I, I felt attracted to many women, mm-hmm. you know, like... Like, and I, you know, like we were like, oh my God, she's beautiful. Oh my God, I'm so attracted. And who's Mm -hmm. on your celebrity list? And, you know, like very open to women and my female sexuality, but I was completely closed off at that time to male sexuality. So was Garen the first person you had penis and vagina sex with? Yes. Wow. Yes. At Mm -hmm. 26, dude. And he was in his sexual prime at 19. And he was also, um, experienced. So he was always very good. And very, like, able to teach me and willing and eager and, like... What a gift. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Uh Totally. So, um, that was awesome for me. Sherston, it absolutely devastated. It broke her heart. It was really, really awful because we thought we were going to be lifers. And we didn't... I didn't... I hadn't put together at that time, oh, Mother's Day happened and then... Uh, you know, and then things shifted. Like I didn't in the moment, you can't see with clarity. So for her, it was just like, this is out of the blue. You're choosing a teenager over a doctor. We owned a home together. Like we're like, what is (laughs) 
happening? Like, the world is upside down. And yet my truth was, I'm not choosing this teenager. Mm -hmm. I am choosing the possibility of a man, which means the possibility of a family. And that was what I wanted. It's true, but I'm just going to say that. Well, I didn't know it could be with a woman yeah, at the just time. Yeah, just to clarify for everybody out there. Yeah. You can have a family with whoever you partner with. And you can and have you a can family have, by yourself. Yes, and you, you have don't have to partner. People. And you can also partner with multiple people and yeah, have a family. absolutely. And have all kinds of configurations. The more grown-ups, the better the childhood, I think. Absolutely. And you can also, frankly, you can partner with a parent to co-parent. Oh, yeah. I know lots That's of true. moms that parent with partner with their parents to co-parent mm. and so like there are lots of configurations however my mom is listening to this and freaking out it's okay mom <laughs> sorry <laughs> people do it though and they I don't do mean do partner it. sexually in no, any no, of way not. yeah they, just but like I think my mom's happy being retired yeah both Fully. Excited for grandkids. Happy, to be, happy to be retired. I hear you. So, um, <laughs> but it's super valid. Like people, like I believe in multi generational households. Absolutely, like, we've think, been doing it that way since the dawn of time. Exactly. It is only this new American paradigm that prohibits these these um, intergenerational households, which stuff. is to weird. keep us in that like trading time for money trap, where we're like constantly going to jobs and letting daycares and. And it's fine if, like, a daycare is raising your kid, but, like, I feel like we have shifted so far away from what actual humans need, right? Because kids just need support. They need love. And they do, and not from other kids. Other kids can't provide it. Kids yeah. need mentorship yeah. is what kids, in my opinion, that's what kids need more than anything else is solid mentorship. Yeah. And in all facets of their development, you know. And so, and communal living uh, and other sort of family configurations allows us to have the opportunity for kids to have more grown ups to connect with. And, like, it's beautiful. It is really beautiful. Yeah, it's super important. Okay, so you and Garen are in love. So we're in love. You're leaving your doctorate wife for (laughs) a a 19 year old. (laughs) Yeah, don't worry about that. No, I wasn't even trying to. I sat down with Garen and I'm like, look, I I know you're not monogamous. Like, Uh like you, you're not, you know, like, you know, fucking bitches, right? Yeah. You know, so like he's not monogamous. He's living that hip hop lifestyle in oh <laughs> Utah. No, he's like so like you know rap whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like I know you're not monogamous, and I am interested in exploring, you know, s- straight sexuality. Mm-hmm. That's something I haven't done yet, and I'm not interested in exploring it with someone who's exploring it with other people. I want some, like, if if I'm going to have sex with you, I need it to be a little bit special because of all of the expectations I have on sex from the way I was raised. And I was aware of that about myself. Like, look, we don't have to have sex together alone forever, but, like, for a few weeks, it needs to be just, like, you and me I while mean, I get Scorpio. For, right? I know, it's not a lie. <laughs> okay, so now you know everything. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but the point is, yes, that's what I wanted. And he looked at me and was like, yeah, I can do that for you. And I was like, oh, wow. I did not expect that. It's nice when you ask for what you want and you can get it. Like, if you it go in without out, the expectation. It turns out if you ask for what you want, you can get it. Yeah. And that's the only way you're going to. Yeah. And I'm not saying you can get it every time, but yeah. I'm going to say you're never going to get it without asking. Absolutely. Never. So, um, so yeah, so we started dating and we were just like, we'll just do this as long as it makes sense. We'll see where it goes. And, uh, 14 years later, still making sense. It still makes sense. Two kids, two kids that you got for free. 
What do you mean? Well, like, it costs a lot of money to have a baby oh, if my you don't gosh. have free sperm. Tell me about it. I know. And, and you need not... to have sex as much as possible. You don't have to, like, coordinate with a friend to come uh-huh. over it's and really, jerk really, off in a cup yeah, and bring it to another so room. It's so convenient to yeah. have straight sex. Yeah, it's real. It is to have sex, to have babies. It's so convenient to have straight sex. Procreative sex is yes, what I like what I'm to, trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's very convenient. Yeah. Um, and that was nice because I wanted babies because for me, that was part of my path. That was an integral part of my path. And I knew that about myself always. Mm-hmm. I always knew that I needed babies for, 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 for me to be who I was trying to be. And for me, my children have provided the greatest inspirational inspiration for personal growth. Mm-hmm more than anything I've chosen for me. So that's why I can see that it was a good choice for me because they inspired. So Alex, after he was born, Garen and I really started saying, look, we're modeling the the standard American household for him. We're modeling um, jobs, gone all day, only together in the evening, you know, trading time for money. And... And we're not happy and we were gaining weight because we were eating our feelings. Mm-hmm. That's something that Garen and I, we really, I'm really have an unhealthy relationship with our emotions and finding healthy ways. We've really hurt ourselves physically. And I don't mean the weight. I mean like with gastrointestinal issues that yeah. both of us have gained from our our love of rich foods while in pain. Yeah. That's a very real thing. Yeah, uh-huh. it is. And to the to an to a real excess and we like to use weed to suppress the pain mm. so that we could go harder. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. with the addiction to the rich food. Yeah. It was um enjoyable while we were in the cycle. You know, it really helped us and I and I am grateful for the people who got through the pain they were feeling, mm. right? Yeah. And I don't care what choices they made yeah. to get through it because they didn't know what else to do. Yeah. And they did the best they could, yeah. you know? So, and since then we've learned more helpful tools for ourselves to get through pain mm-hmm. that haven't caused such gastrointestinal distress to our lives. I mean, listen. And that's been nice for us. Yeah. Because, you know... Gastrointestinal stuff isn't pretty. No, I am. Or sexy. (laughs) I'm a person with a chronic digestive disorder. Okay, so you that is very managed by food. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, so we went through some pain, but we noticed we were going through this pain, and that we weren't really happy, and that we didn't like the life we were modeling for our child, and that he was one and a half. So, like, he's starting to talk and act like us. He's starting to mirror for us a lot. And we don't like the mirror he's holding. So we said, how can we, like, we really tried. We were on a road trip, and we had just been exposed to The Secret, that documentary. Oh, my God. What a moment. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and the concept that you could have whatever you want, that you can create your own reality, that we might be in charge of our own destiny in a way we never had considered. Um, Consequently, this was right after the recession in 2008. Mm-hmm. And so Garen and I had both been laid off. I got laid off because the companies had gone bankrupt mm-hmm. six times in a row. Wow. So I had zero stability, yeah. even though I was supposed to have stability. I was corporate. 
I was a solid corporate asset, you know, like I had a strong resume. I brought a lot to a team, you know, like I never got fired, mm-hmm. but when the ship goes down, you sink too. Yeah. I'm also No matter like, how strong you are. <laughs> yeah, that's what I learned when I got laid off in 2008 because yeah. my business also went bankrupt. I mean, it wasn't my business. It was the one I worked for. The business for. you worked for. Um, and I learned, I was like, oh, security is a myth. Security is a total illusion. It's made up. It's made up. Security is an illusion. Uh-huh. Control's an illusion. Uh-huh. So, like, we learned that, and it took a lot of times, but we went through all that, and Garen was going through the same thing with his jobs, you know, like, just these bankruptcies, right? Uh-huh. All these bankruptcies were happening then, uh-huh. and the economy was just being destroyed. And we were being exposed to security is a myth. This is all not, you know, uh-huh. this, uh, stability is a myth. It's all an illusion. And maybe we could create our own reality. Uh-huh. And we hate the example we're setting for our child. Uh-huh. So... What could we imagine for ourselves, mm, right? Yeah. And so Bliss was born after out of that. And Bliss Edibles and Extracts is the cannabis brand that Garen and I formed together. We won the first ever Edibles High Times Cup, you know, for our truffles, for our edibles. And then we went on to win lots of, you know, SF Specs Extracts, all these extract, you know, awards. And just become this really strong brand in Northern California cannabis, widely distributed, widely respected. Um, we have great relationships and really got to know cannabis. I got to teach at Oaksterdam University because we carved out a place for ourselves by having really excellent standards and wanting to make awesome cannabis. Like, and that, that was our dream. And so we made it come true. Then um, eight years later, I had Lucy, my daughter, which was three years ago now, almost four, four years ago, uh-huh. I had Lucy. And um, four years ago, um, after having Lucy, I, I really realized that having a son, I had not had a pressure in parenting to be the same gender role model. Uh-huh. And I didn't know that because I just thought this is what parenting is. Yeah. I had a child. I didn't know that having a daughter would feel different to me. Oh, and it did. Interesting. And so, like, I felt more pressure. And Garen's like, yeah, I felt that pressure with Alex. And I'm like, oh, I didn't. I didn't feel that pressure. Yeah. I felt the pressure to be an example, but I didn't feel like I was defining manhood for him. I mean, you can also, like, always leave doors open. Because, like, sure. probably a lot of kids who are born into, like, uh, a sex assignment at birth, for right? For sure. They are, don't like, necessarily. Are, like, going to conform. And some kids are not going to conform. For sure. And when you leave doors open, you For let sure. the non-conforming kids, like, Be what they are. Path. Absolutely. Yeah. I want that, too. Um, but I did. I felt a pressure to know what, what womanhood meant to me mm-hmm. so that I, to have a really healthy relationship with womanhood. And I didn't. Mm. I didn't at that time because um, my, I fell in love with my best friend. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't had a strong female friendship since. Wow. You know. All through all that lesbianism, you didn't have, like, female friends. I did. I did. Uh-huh. But not not like that. Not like deep friends. Not like that. I mean, yes. And I don't mean to make it sound like the relationships I have weren't meaningful for me. They were. But but I was hiding part of myself mm-hmm. because I was afraid I, w- I fell in love with my best friends. That yeah. was my new story in my head. Oh, wow. I mean, you are a Scorpio. Right. So there's always a threat of that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, but you don't um, have to. Now you can have lots of best friends. Well, it turns okay. out. Yeah. Turns I learned that now. But yeah. so uh, so I have like a a kind of a relationship with my own 
sense of womanhood that I, that was malformed. Mm -hmm. And I was aware of that when I had a daughter, Mm -hmm. it put a spotlight on that. Once again, real opportunity and motivation for growth in me to really look at. So with Alex, it was all about lifescaping. Mm -hmm. And with Lucy, it was like, Oh God, yes, I have to be (laughs) the example. I don't even know what that word means. Goddess, you know what? Holy cow. So, um, so that's where Glowing Goddess Getaway came from, yeah. was me exploring, you know, me. So wait, so you were in cannabis culture, which you've said is really bro Well, it's getting better. Okay. It's getting I mean, better. In part because of people like you. But um, it was certainly bro Um, It was so bro I, I I have a lot of strong male friendships as a result that I'm grateful for Mm -hmm. and would likely have no other way, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's cool. Um, But yes, I was pretty like ready, like where are the girls at? Like where are my stoner girls? Like the girls who just, and I wasn't trying to like do business with girls. I just want to fucking be friends and like smoke weed and like, um, and it was, my life was so bro-y and I had been, I went from being a lesbian, Mm -hmm. you know, surrounded by women very in lesbian culture, mm-hmm. very going to lesbian bars, and mostly, you know, 95% of my life I was associating with women. I was in cosmetics professionally, so, like, really so many women. Then I fell in love with Garen and got involved with cannabis. So it was very, very men. So I went from pendulum swing from one to the other, mm-hmm. really missing women. Yeah. You know, really missing women. And, um, yeah, so Glowing Goddess Getaway taught me about sisterhood. It taught me about strong female relationships. It taught me about vulnerability and receiving help. Mm -hmm. It's still teaching me about vulnerability and receiving help. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, it taught me about spirituality, you know, until that time too, after Mormonism, I went atheist, Mm -hmm. you know, and had, and rejected all forms of spirituality and then had to, and then plant medicine brought me back and set me up for the goddess with Glowing Goddess Getaway, you know. So how did you start the Glowing Goddess Getaway? So, okay, so I'm not going to lie. That all sounds so altruistic. There was also this side of me that was a tired mom who was nursing 24-7 yeah. and who never got to speak with adults, who just wanted to imagine a world away from my kid where I could openly smoke weed because I had a baby on my <laughs> boob all the time. I couldn't fucking smoke weed with my baby on my boob all uh-huh. the time, you know? So um, I just was imagining this world where I could take a yoga class that felt like the biggest luxurious thing I could imagine for myself yeah. was taking a yoga class, uh-huh. you know, and then like from there it and getting started... to take yoga while stoned, which is not oh my a god, thing oh my either. god, oh my god, smoking weed, taking yoga. I wanted to be away from my kid overnight. Uh-huh. That was important. Like I wanted to have an open-ended amount of time where I could have a conversation with another adult woman uh-huh. who I could like laugh with and cry with, who I could like. Yeah. Oh, just like have that feeling of connection and safety and security and love and comfort and vulnerability and warmth. Oh, I just wanted all things gooey and soft and good. You know, Mm -hmm. I was in that space after having a baby. Yeah. And so I dreamed of this like place and, um, and I started 
asking my people in cannabis. So the first person I went to, my friend in cannabis, was a man, right? A gay man. <laughs> I went to a gay man because I didn't have another woman to go to even. And I was like, listen, this is what I'm imagining. Do you think I could do it? And he, do, I was like, are there enough girls like, are there enough girls in cannabis? Because he managed a dispensary. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, are there enough girls coming through your doors? Like, level with me. Mm-hmm. Is this a feasible event? Mm-hmm. Are there enough women in the cannabis world? Can I find them? And he's like, yes. He's like, yes, I'll help you. I'll help you promote. What can I do? Like, do this. Like, he was just so supportive. Like, this is a great idea. You should totally do this. And you have, like, let us know how we can help, you know? So, um, that felt great. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really good start. So then I went to this to a woman I knew from Oaksterdam and said, hey, do you want to help me put this thing on? And, and she was like, yeah. And then I started getting on to Instagram, which I had not really been on, actually. It had only been on Facebook. This was, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. So I went on to Instagram and I tried to find women and weed photos, imagery, anything that I felt like. And it wasn't out there then. Like, I know this was only, you know, early 2017. Mm -hmm. So three years, it's only been three years, but it was a very different landscape. There were not women and weed groups. There was only women grow and they were to help you form business connections. And men went to women grow meetings. They weren't a women only space. Mm-hmm. They still aren't. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But they're very women centered with yes, their life. Yes. And I love them. I'm not yeah. saying anything bad. I'm just saying yeah. I wanted something different. I yeah. wasn't looking for a business um, market connecting. No, just to hang out. Right. I wanted to hang and I wanted stoner girls to hang with. Uh-huh. And so. Um, and food. Oh good God, food. I wanted good food. Yeah. You have no idea. How, of weed. course. Great food, great uh-huh. weed, classes, like, entertain me, please, uh-huh. but don't make me do anything I don't want to do. Probably there should be a hot tub. Yeah, or Probably a water source. Sh- yeah, like, there should be some water involved, uh-huh. something to do like that. And I just imagined fairy lights. Like, that's yeah. all I could imagine was Absolutely. twinkle lights yeah. in this, like, wonderful place, trees and twinkle lights. So, so we found the place, we made it happen, and I met Saline through that, who is now my business partner, because she was a woman in weed on Instagram, and I was reaching out to all the women in weed on Instagram. Yeah. And she turned out to be a boss babe, and she helped me take it next level, you know, and we leveled mm-hmm. up together, and now here we are. Um, 16 getaways then? Seven, 16. Yep, we've done 16. The next mm-hmm. Massachusetts in two weeks will be our 17th getaway. We're recording this in the past. I will probably not release this before Massachusetts. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Totally okay. Yeah. No, we're going to do Massachusetts in a couple of weeks. That'll be our 17th. And then Jamaica in November will be our 18th. First you know. international. First international. But next year, going to Canada. Next year, going to Canada. And if Mexico in October has some legislation that's passing oh. that may allow us to go to Mexico too next year, perhaps, Ooh. fingers crossed, we don't know. October October, we'll find out, you know? So, yeah, I know we'd love to keep going international because the thing is, sisterhood is needed by all women. Absolutely. And cannabis is a great facilitator for that. And I'm not saying it's necessary, but right now, while women are relearning sisterhood, I think it's a great way to usher it in, Mm. you know? I think it's a great way to usher it in. And, and we'll expand past just cannabis and sisterhood, all of us as women, you know, like, and they already are. I'm not saying sisterhood doesn't exist or that we made it up. That's not what yeah. I'm saying. I'm just saying that there is still a very accepted version of women that are competitive, catty, bitchy, gossipy, 
clicky, rude. Like, and and it, it it's like accepted that women are that way. It is women are afraid of other women for those things. Mm-hmm. There is a real um, dysfunctional side of female relationships mm-hmm. that is accepted, normalized, mm-hmm. uh, mainstream, perpetuated. perpetuated. Yeah. And um, and it's something that I think is toxic. toxic. Mm-hmm. We talk about toxic monogamy. We should talk yeah. about toxic femininity. Absolutely. Because that's what it is, and it's not what... Um, it's not what I want to mm-hmm. be part of or to focus on. I find that it's real and it exists, but that love conquers all. Absolutely. And that with love and understanding, everyone can learn and grow into beautiful, functional, healthy, supportive sisterhood, which strengthens and empowers women in a way that nothing else can and allows them to grow into their most authentic versions of themselves. Yes, we can be loved by men and supported by men, and it is life-changing and men are wonderful and necessary for some women, Mm -hmm. necessary parts of their growth and development. However, all women, all women need sisterhood for sustainable health and sense of self. I mean, I also, like, love the way you set the tone at the getaways. Um, There's always an opening, and Mm -hmm. Deidre always tells us that everyone belongs. They don't have to fit in. They already belong exactly as they are. There's always room in the circle for everybody else. Like, it's setting a tone for the type of sisterhood that you want that I think is what makes the getaway so potent. And so possible. Like, it creates a possibility for for womanhood and connection and sisterhood that, um, you know, you have to have a strong culture to carry that, and you do a great job of setting that tone. Thank you. And I also really love that, like, the getaway has those five high standards. We do. Yeah. Self-love, inclusivity, empathy, good fun, and mindfulness. So good. Right. And so it's real important that we have this culture as a group because it creates space for everyone to focus on things that only feed them. Yeah. These are not um, these are not values that serve the group higher than they serve the individual. Mm. These are values for the individual. I believe that individuals are more important than anything else, right? Yeah. And that when you serve the individual, the group is always enhanced. When someone gives you a dichotomy where the you have to forsake the individual for the good of the group, that is a lie and a false dichotomy. Yeah. There is a place and a space where we can all be true to ourselves and love one another mm-hmm. and serve. And that is the good of the group. Mm-hmm. Because when everyone feels like they can be themselves, no one has to judge, compete, worry, fear, be insecure. It's a space, such a safe space of nurturing and love that um, that everyone's goddess, their inner goddess, their connection to divinity is what shines brightest of all. And I believe that we can all have that when we cultivate a safe space for it. Mm-hmm. And so um, by practicing it at the getaway, it's taught me how to like bring it into my life. Like all I want to do is bring the getaway home with me. I want to bring that version home with me. I try to give it to my kids. I try to create space with my kids and give them a space where they can be just them. And then 
we don't have to conflict. We don't have to have struggle. We can just identify and relate, you know. Yeah. It's, sisterhood has changed who I am fundamentally for the better. And I only, like, you know, like, people will thank me for the getaway. They thank sailing. Oh, it's you and sailing. It's you and sailing. You know, and, and it isn't us. It's, it's everyone coming together. And, and I think I understand that more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Because I know that I have no magic mm-hmm. that you don't have inside yourself. And that the only real magic is that we put our sparks together. Yeah. I mean... Listen, you're still making an amazing space, and, like, it takes a charismatic leader who's, like, willing to be out there to, like... I'm very vulnerable. Move forward. Yeah, Super exactly. vulnerable. I'm willing to be super vulnerable. And, also, you're doing a great job. It's super effective. People love it. <laughs> and I love that there's an explicit purpose of the getaway to vibe people up so they can go out and be the best versions of themselves out in their world. In their So that world. we're just vibing everyone up. Yep. But it's not even just for women now. There's a couple's getaway. There is. Which was really fun last year, the first one was so good the men were amazing they were I so was great. scared I was scared I'm not gonna <laughs> lie I was terrified to bring men into it I thought they'd ruin it but they didn't they honored and respected the space more than I knew they were capable of and you know what I wasn't scared I thought they'd be great I That's just because assumed because I, trusted I have you. my own yeah. yeah I have my own issues mm-hmm But then also next year, a family camp. Yeah, a family getaway because there are a lot of kids in cannabis, it turns out, Mm -hmm. who need a safe space. And I don't mean for kids to use cannabis. I mean for kids to feel like it's okay that their parents use cannabis Mm -hmm. or the kids that do use it as medicine to feel like it's okay and that the adults around them support them and that the kids around them don't think they're weird, you know. There are kids who've had to be in mainstream world knowing their family relies on cannabis and and that has made them feel othered, you know, my son included, Mm -hmm. because there were times when he had to keep secrets. It had to be a secret that we have a cannabis business Mm -hmm. because it wasn't safe for him not to keep that secret. So we're excited to create a space for kids where they, where it is normal. And furthermore, camping culture in our country is very um, six-packy, right? Mm. There's a cooler of beer all around the campfire with us. It's very normalized and accepted. No one has a problem with it. Um, wine moms are a thing. No one has a problem with that. So we're very interested in creating a place and normalizing parents choosing cannabis as their recreant yeah. around their kids and still parenting while using cannabis as a recreant. Just Perhaps like even being a better parent. More <laughs> Because present. you're a little bit more able to connect with your kids. Like, Absolutely. Connecting with a three-year-old while using cannabis is a really different experience than connecting with a three-year-old when you're sober. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of places that that three-year-old can take you if your brain is a little more open with plant medicine. I'm just going to Absolutely say. true. Mm-hmm. And you are, you can regain childhood magic yes you can regain that sense of awe plant medicine gives you a sense of awe already it opens up that sense of awe i feel like that's what all entheogenic plants are which you may know as psychedelics um so that'd be like mushrooms peyote ayahuasca all these kind of um plant cannabis included Mm -hmm. and all these plant medicines and then you pair that with a magical little being a little child who's Mm -hmm. still you know a creature of the woods of the forest of the nature and nature child who hasn't been ruined by society and taught that she can only be one way like she's just super open super fun yeah Yeah, it can really um 
it can give you a sense of euphoria for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's uh, an exciting part of presence and yeah. mindfulness. And, like, also I just want to give permission to everyone out there. You don't need a reason to be happy, joyful, Absolutely. euphoric. Like, just be it. Enjoy it. I've been smiling lately. This is a new thing I'm doing where I just smile for no reason. And now... I find myself, like, my body is just inclined to smile for no reason. Yeah, your face wants to. Your yeah. muscle memory. Uh-huh. Yeah, your face likes it. It's nice. And, and I it, just let it happen. Uh-huh, because uh-huh. it changes all your hormones. You yeah. know, like, it, it sends neurological signals to your brain about what's going on for you. Yeah. It's like, oh, pleasure. Let's, like, heighten. Let's yeah. heighten. Let's be aware. Yeah. <laughs> We're having a good time. Let's know what's going on. Exactly. What's It's possible? delightful. Um, okay, You're so great that's at living in the space of possibility, Bevan. Thank you. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a practice. It is deeply. It is okay. So I really work on appreciation. Mm. That's my practice. Is yeah. an appreciation. I I totally want to look at. Wait, what word did we just say? Possibilities. Possibilities. Yeah. I'm going to try to really. Be it's worrying open. in reverse. It is literally. It is. So tell me how it's different than potential. Um. I think possibility and potential, I don't know. I wouldn't distinguish distinguish okay. them. I think that that's all like everything possibility is possible. feels more exciting to it me. It is. It's a better word, I think. It um, is. Because like potential is kind of ruined by this like expectation uh, uh-huh. thing. Uh-huh. Exactly. Where it's possibility is just possible. And that's how I feel about the distinction between gratitude and appreciation, mm, right? Yeah, Gratitude is totally. like a sense of debt and appreciation oh. is... Just open to that, you know. I see that. I yeah, that. right. Yeah. Same thing with uh-huh. possibility versus potential. Yeah, I'm going to adopt possibility with my appreciation practice. Yeah, I'm going to journal possibility possible. with yes. appreciation. What's possible for you right now? It's a great question. Oh. I love it as an icebreaker. Um, especially if this as is an like an like, icebreaker. Yeah, if you're like at the getaway and like we're Shut. all getting deep right away. Uh huh. Because that's what you do. We skip we the small hours. talk. We skip the small talk. Yeah. We go straight for the big stuff. Exactly. So the first thing, if you want a real icebreaker that's going to get you deep with someone, what's possible for you? It's like scary to ask someone that the first time, yes. and then eventually you get used to it. And like, so can you tell me about some of your answers you've gotten without you know, like just generally, like what uh, kind of what kind of things do people say when you ask what's possible for you? Uh. You know, it's usually very specific to them, like whatever dream is on their heart. Like They do dreams, though. They're telling yeah. you their dreams. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a very sacred space for that kind of stuff, so mm-hmm. I don't know that, like, everyone is going to get, like, someone's deep dream. But, like, it's a great way to deepen a friendship. So if you already have a friendship with someone, I'm not trying to get you all to dive into the deep end with people. Well, but, I mean, I yeah, am. I'm trying to get you to. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I think, like, people's dreams are all very personal, so I don't necessarily want to blow it up. But, like, there was someone at the last getaway who, like, was like, I really want to just start, like, my own ganja yoga retreat center. And I was oh, like, absolutely. Do, do it. Get it. Do yeah. Make it. Um, upper That's Michigan awesome. Peninsula, just so people know where it's going to be. Um that's amazing. Yeah, there's just so much possible out there. So, okay, let's wrap this up because I think we're already hitting an hour. But um, where do people find info about the Glowing Goddess Getaway? So the greatest place to find info about us is at glowinggoddessgetaway.com. Excellent. Easy peasy. Or at Glowing Goddess Getaway on Facebook or Instagram. And tell us the process because there's like a membership because it's a women's social club. Okay, so we're a women's social club, a private women's social club. And that allows us to navigate the different cannabis laws in the different states. And we have a membership so that we can all be a private event instead of public cannabis events, which are subject to 
various rigorous licensing and laws and things. And different in every state. Different in every state and every country. And a constant moving target. Absolutely. But we're a private event. If we're a private club with members only, we're always a private event. But we are not an exclusive club. Our membership is $4.20 a month. You know, less than a cup of coffee, honestly. Mm-hmm. So Less um, than a joint. <laughs> oh, for sure, less than a joint. $4.20 a month, and that gives you access to our private members-only forum. It also gives you access to, to coordinate your own sister sessions in your own area, private sister sessions in your home, so you know that everyone's a member. We know who you are. It's not like this is a group of strangers we're inviting. Mm-hmm. It's a, it gives you a basis of connection, which is nice. Um, there's an accountability when we know each other. When we're choosing to go outside of the boundaries of social norms and connect with something that isn't legal everywhere, it's important that we know that there is some accountability, mm-hmm. right? And membership provides a small little piece of accountability. Mm-hmm. We know who you are, yeah. right, and where you live, yeah. and things about each other, which make us all a little bit vulnerable to each other. Yeah. And so it levels the playing field as we choose to be willing to form new relationships with new stoner friends mm-hmm. in places that aren't always stoner friendly. Yeah. And so the membership is provided us lots of different uh, safety nets in our yeah. community. So that's what it is. And, um, and so... You join our membership and you can come to the getaway. And the getaway is also really affordable. It's two forty, all inclusive food, camping, cannabis, classes, workshops, all of it. Two hundred and forty bucks for three days, two nights. Um and we try to really give you a good time, make it worth your money. And we and we try to make it as cheaper, cheaper than you could do yourself, right? Mm, yeah, totally. You know, um, you certainly couldn't take all the classes for the price. You that couldn't we smoke eat. all that weed. And you couldn't smoke all the weed uh-huh. for the price and eat all the food. Uh-huh. And, you know, and so um, and we provide the tents even for the camping. Uh-huh. You can come stay in group tents and make new friends and yeah. stuff. You know, just bring your bedroll. And we're trying to be, our goal is to be within a one-day road trip to everywhere in the U.S., in the continental U.S. Oh, nice. And so right now the South isn't friendly enough to make that happen yet, but Florida looks like there's potential, Mm -hmm. you know, and so we could make that happen. So as the laws evolve, we'll go to more places, but that's our goal, and we want to go international because we know that there are cannabis women all over the planet, and California's ripe with cannabis community, yeah. but the rest of the world isn't. So we're really making it our focus to get up to Canada next year. We're going to do Toronto and British Columbia. Yes. I know. We're going to go coast to coast in Canada. You know I'm a maple chaser, right? Oh, mm-hmm. dude. I love How can you not? I love everything mm-hmm. about Canadian culture. Mm-hmm. First of all, the foundation is kindness. Yeah. How can you not love a culture whose foundation is kindness? Uh-huh. Anyway. Um, and people can follow you specifically on Instagram. At Miss Bliss 710. 710 is something about oils. Yeah, it's a shout out for dabs. Um, it's, it's the 420 of dabs oh, okay. is 710. Got it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so Miss Bliss 710, I'm a, I'm a daily dabber. I'm not going to lie. Uh-huh. I love that dab life. Um, yeah, and you can keep up with me and what I'm doing it's it's a good time. Yeah. I'll teach you all about plants and how they can help your life from food to plant medicine to herbs. Yeah. It's good stuff. Absolutely. And um, is there anybody on Instagram that, like, gives you life that, like, you want to shout out that's, like, a fun follow? A fun follow? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, there are so many that it's really hard to choose, honestly. Um, but um, right now, Aries Art is killing it. Aries Art and At Aries Art Northwest yeah. in W. Mindy, who's the sister from the uh, getaway. She is, but she is killing it. And here's why she's killing it. Because she's an inspired artist right now. Mm. Like, she's really going through a renaissance in her own art and stuff. She has a really fun style. It's not a serious, she's not a serious, like, fine artist. She's a contemporary pop artist. And um, and her style is uplifting. And her message is uplifting. Her Smoking Ladies, mm. she, at Smoking Lady Life, is where she does exclusively women and weed. Mm. Which is a great follow for yeah. probably the people who be interested in me yeah <laughs> yeah I really like her she's she's really good um who else am I loving their content right now mm, she's she's my favorite at the moment also she painted the glowing goddess rig like she did she did our whole goddess rig which is our camping trailer that allows us to put on the getaway for you know a hundred, two hundred goddesses, you know. <laughs> you you really work hard to make it accessible. We it. Do, well, it's all about that, right? Yeah. Like if we if we say inclusivity, then we mean inclusivity, mm-hmm. and that means that I am willing to fabricate whatever needs to be fabricated mm-hmm. to make it happen. You know, so good. Well, Deidre, I love you so much. I love I'm you. I'm so glad that you're on my podcast. Of course, thanks I'm for glad we got to talk about. Thanks for letting me share about journey. my life. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to party with you. And anywhere you are, uh, I hope that you know that you are worthy of love exactly as you are. You're amazing. Your body's amazing. And mm, your dreams are meant to be fulfilled. And I hope that you go out there and take one tiny step towards your dreams every day. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can do it. That's, yeah, you can. Okay. Now I'm going to Oh my God, you are the real MVP. You're still listening. It's the end of the episode. Um, Welcome to my epilogue where I am working with a new thing to me on Anchor. I'm trying to get better and better at this podcasting thing. They offer in-browser recording. So I'm recording this and it has a little backing track. Like I can't do, I haven't yet learned how to do that on GarageBand, which is usually where I put this together. So I'm excited to be here with you in the epilogue. I want to share with you about my workout videos um, that I have available at fatkiddanceparty.com. I created a four pack of professionally produced, really fun workout videos. There's a 10 minute stretch video, a 26 minute cardio confidence video specifically for you. So if you need to vibe up, if you need to be in your confidence, you've got a presentation or you got something going on where you need to be at your 10, this is where you're gonna get there. Um, so that's, uh, the 26 minute video. There's a 60 minute chair video. And let me tell you, working out from a chair is not a joke. Uh, it is some serious arm work. So that's the chair video. And then a 60 minute dance aerobics video with a huge party at the end, a big line dance. It's so much fun. There is just endless amounts of exciting dance aerobics for you in this four pack. Um, a lot of good stretching to help help your mobility and help you relieve stress and help you feel in your confident vibe, help you relieve the the parts of you that feel like you need to stay small to make someone else feel okay. 
That's all in there and more. I loved making it and I'm super excited to share it with you. So you can find it at fatkiddanceparty.com slash video four pack, the number four. You can also just go to fatkiddanceparty.com. That'll get you there. Um, But anyway, I want you to know that even if you uh, don't think you can get through a workout, um, minimum participation is just watching and cheering along. And there's a lot of cheering. So, you know, you'll, you'll do some cheering. You'll vibe up anyway. Um, even just, uh, by hanging out and also you're the real MVP. Look at you still listening to the rest of this episode. Um, I am grateful for you and I hope that, uh, next week's episode has an update in my life that feels even more exciting than moving far away and getting rid of a lot of my stuff. It's, it's the tiny house movement. I'm, I'm starting. I mean, I don't know that I'll stay tiny, but I'm going to be tiny for a while. That's, that's really what's happening. Okay. Thank you.